0: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: All right, I figured I'd get in an episode before the weekend. Because apparently after whatever the hell happened yesterday in Philadelphia... Um, I got to get something in right now. It's Thursday night where I'm recording. I, I want to start off the episode really quickly by just saying, I know a lot of people are going through a very tough time right now. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast to live in or around Washington, D.C. And man, it's, it's such a shame that I have to start off so many podcasts over the last year with a message of along this line and of this tone. But I believe that as ridiculous as, as the Washington Wizards are. Ultimately, a podcast about the Washington Wizards should be around to talk about basketball and help people, whether people are having a great day or a terrible day, just help them escape with basketball. When I follow the Yankees, what I want is I want to read something about Giancarlo Stanton. Helps me feel like the world is normal. It helps me feel like things are good. It help whatever it might be. When I re- follow the Yankees, I want to follow something involving baseball. So so for people who want their political fix and that kind of stuff, that's great. Uh, I, I do have a story up on The Athletic DC right now with Bradley Beal talking about um, – you know the 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 violent protests that that happened at the White at the White House at uh, at the Capitol yesterday, and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook commented, and Scott Brooks commented, and all those comments, everything that they said, every word of it, is up on the Athletic DC, and you can check that out in my story over there. But I figure for the podcast today, I mean, Bradley Beal just dropped sixty. The Wizards are two and six. The somehow they are both scoring and allowing more points than they did last year. Um, this this team is is nothing short of outrageous, and I just want to talk basketball. And when you just want to talk basketball, what you do on is you is, is, is you Skype somebody who is just as nerdy about basketball as you are. So on the Skype line, I've got now just a common recurring guest. I don't even know how many times you've been on, man. We got Dave defour on the Skype line, uh, and he watched Bradley Beal Drop 60 last night. How I you did. doing, man?
2: I'm pretty sure I have equity in the show at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm gunning for. I want to be like, you know, I I, I said this on Twitter. I made this joke because I'm turning 40 next year. And, and I'm just feeling like the am I am I in enough of a midlife crisis that I want to buy part of a fifth division English soccer club? <laughs> it, maybe instead of doing that, I need an ownership stake in Wizards After Dark. Just just a little bit, just to wet my beak just a little bit. With a little bit of that sweet, sweet podcast ownership money. What hey, you man! Think? You know what they say. You like that? You know what they
1: say. You want to make it big? You buy into niche wizards podcasting. That's right. It's exactly what uh, you do. Actually, as a matter of fact, yeah. if you own this podcast, you actually owe two dollars and forty six cents. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's actually three, it's three. Some serious now. Actually, if you go to theathletic.com Dot slash wizards after dark, is that your code? Yes, it is. For three ninety nine a month, you can own this podcast ad free. Yeah, that's true. How about that you can listen now, on the app. Can I? So I haven't talked about this despite recording so many podcasts. But you brought it up off the top. You know, I'm from Richmond, so like the DMV. That's that's my area, um, and I watched all this stuff on television just like everybody else did. Uh, it's disgusting and appalling, and all of these things. But like you, I, I mean, our job is to talk about basketball. Um, I'm, I want to put out the shows that everyone expects and that can be a place of comfort for them. And I'm assuming everyone knows at this point where they can get opinions on the stuff that happened and information, hopefully, um, there are a lot of good information sources for that. So yeah, I I don't think that, and and cause I was feeling this last night and I just kind of went over it in my head. Um, I like, I don't think you and I should be apologetic for you know, just talking about basketball, like a couple of guys. No, I like why not? So let's do it. Let's talk about basketball. Bradley yeah, Beal just it. scored that's sixty right. points. I think that's and I didn't do a post. And I'm game disappointed. Show. And I'm disappointed. Mmm. That's the that's my takeaway. Look, I did the ding last night, and you know, I was texting with Andrew Schlecht, who is my co host on on uh the Thursday ding and and the producer of this show and the producer of the ding. Uh, and I said, listen, if Bradley Beal goes for 60, we're leading with Bradley Beal. He had 57 points at the time heading into the fourth quarter. I jinxed Bradley Beal. I thought he was going to wind up with 70. That fourth quarter, I have never seen a team more actively work against its guy scoring points than (laughs) than what what we saw from the Wizards in the fourth.
1: Yeah, so... You want to talk about our jinx by the way. We'll talk jinx. I I when when Beal had 57 through 3 quarters, I tweeted that I don't I don't know how early it is to where we can start talking about a guy going for 81 points. I don't know when that's a oh, reasonable no. conversation to have. But Beal has 24 to go right now and he just had 25 in the third quarter. So
2: there's your okay, jinx. Okay, but score. at least yours at least yours was like Aiming for the sky. I just said sixty when he had fifty-seven. <laughs> All right, so
1: I ruined him. So let's talk. I'll, I'll about I'll take this. the blame. Let's talk about this. We'll talk about Beal's sixty-point game, and then we'll 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 break down more team-centric stuff. Uh,
2: you know, Scott. We could do a shot him? by shot. We could do a shot by shot breakdown yeah. of Bradley Beal's sixty. There you go. It was insane, man. It was. He was
1: so on fire. 57 through three quarters is yeah. no joke. And by the way, he leads the league in scoring now by five points per game. And I get it. When you drop 60, then that's obviously going to up your scoring during the early season. But the guy mm-hmm. who's second is Stephen Curry. And he also had a 60-point game that 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 impacts his scoring in the early season. I mean, he's averaging 34 a game on 60% true shooting. He, he's been balling out. Early in the year, and the fact that he hit such a high percentage of his threes now has brought him up to 38 percent, or at least in that Philly game, has brought him up to 38 percent on the year. He's been balling out, and with him in that game yesterday, you could tell he was just cooking, man. Like from he he knew from two minutes into that game, he knew I'm on fire. He took nine shots in the first like six minutes of the game. He knew, and I think he only hit four or five of them, which is obviously an acceptable percentage, but it's not like uh, oh man, Bradley Beal is going for for, you know, 70 tonight, which is what we thought at some point to get 13 in the first quarter. But he knew he was feeling it because he came out firing. And then when he came back in at the second, it was, he was scoring everywhere. I was surprised Philly wasn't doubling that hard. They started to double a little harder in the fourth, but they
2: just kind of put Danny Green on him. They were like, just do your best, Danny. Well, and, what you can do. What And they were top-locking, though. They got to a point where they were so worried about his jumper that they were top-locking and Bradley Beal is a brilliant cutter. His his cuts are just they're devastating. And Bradley Beal was just back cutting him to death. He is so good off the ball. And one of the things he's, one of the things with He's Brown, a perfect NBA player. I like honestly, I I am about to gush about Bradley Beal in a way that I never have, but like just I needed to see more of it and and I think the start to this season uh, is enough for me. I think he's a tier two guy. Like if if Golden State could make a trade for Bradley Beal, they're top four in the West. If Denver could make a trade for Bradley Beal, that's a championship caliber team. Bradley Beal is that good. You can't stop him. So, so who's in your tier two? Let's contextualize that. What's your I mean, tier two? It's a two? lot of guys. It's a it's a big it's a big tier. But it's you know it's. Uh, Bam Adebayo might be there now. Um, after that run, Jason Tatum is there. Um, Rudy Gobert is a tier two guy. Nikola Jokic, I think, is tier one now, but was tier two for a while. It's fluid. So here's a topic. But I I find, he's oh, he's in Go that ahead, like top twenty five for sure, and maybe
1: top fifteen. I mean, I, he's got an argument for top 15. It, he's, you know, he's been right on the fringe of all NBA two years in a row and that's really your mm-hmm. top 15, but obviously, you know, he's in the all NBA conversation last year. He just misses out and that's in a year where Curry is hurt, and Kyrie is hurt, mm-hmm. and Kevin Durant is hurt, and so, you know, you factor that stuff in when the league is fully healthy, who are your guys? Yeah, I mean, he he's top 20, I think. I think he's top 20 in the league for sure, and I think he's better now than he was last year. What a conversation about him that I think is more interesting than where does he rank in the league? Is where where is he? I tweeted this the other day. And, you know and
2: about I, James Harden?
1: No, no, not about James oh, okay. Harden. But I I I'm thinking like there there could be a story on asking people around the league where he ranks. This is a conversation we used to have. We always used to talk about the best pure scorer in the league. Remember, we we used to call Melo. That was Melo's delineation, and nobody thought Melo was the best player in the league. But the way to show Melo respect was like he's the best Mm -hmm. pure scorer in the league. He can score in the most variety at an elite level in the largest variety of ways. He can post you up. He can score from all three levels, mid range at the rim. He can get putbacks. He can hit threes. He can do all these things. He has the most ways of scoring on you. And then there was the big debate, is Melo a better scorer or is 21-year-old Kevin Durant a better pure scorer? Right. Eventually, Kevin Durant's the best pure scorer in the league. And nobody talks about the best pure scorer in the league anymore. You just... Because Kevin Durant broke Yeah, it. Kevin Durant broke the conversation. But <laughs> right. where is Bradley Beal amongst the best you know, pure though, scorers in the league?
2: So a lot of people do talk about James Harden in that sense as being a scorer, although it's, it's interesting because, you know, he's so three-dimensional instead of... You know, five or six, right? He he really only has the three ball at the basket or free throws. He's not going to post you up. He's not going to get you in the mid range. Like he just doesn't have that diverse skill set. Even as the way he finishes is is very you know mundane. Like he's not he's not doing the stuff that Bradley Beal is doing off the ball to get points. Uh, Bradley Beal reminds me a little bit more of Steph Curry with the way that he's able to score. And it's because like, he's he is so good off the ball. We know what he can do with the ball in his hands. He's a great pick-and-roll player. We know how great he is off those DHOs, I mean, just in a full attack mode. Um, but because of what he's able to do off the ball, I think that he's in that that kind of scoring category, whatever the hell that is. I mean, Steph Curry is the best scorer in the league to me because Steph Curry can score you know, from 35 feet in, with the ball without the ball without seeing the ball sometimes i mean it's just he's a magician and i think Beal is more of that vein than that one dimensional hardened vein so whatever that means yeah so so to me and this is a weird conversation it's kind of like when people talk about
1: the best two way player it's esoteric in the because yeah. cuz when you say i i you mean hate, basketball player i hate the best two way player in the league conversation cuz guess who's a mm-hmm. two way player everyone every player you know who the best two-way player in the league is? The best player in the league. Because if you're bad at defense, there is no way you could be the best player in the league. If you're bad at half of the game. So the best two-way player in the league is whoever is the best player in the league. You think LeBron's the best player in the league? He's the best two play, two-way player in the league. Or Kawhi. Or Durant. Or whomever. I think Durant is the best pure scorer in the league. I just I think that's been the case for literally, you know, barring last year yeah. when he was hurt. like An, an unblockable jump decade.
2: shot right unblockable jump shot um seven foot alien sent here to solve the problem of basketball like nobody his height should have that handle and that first step and be able to beat guys like he gets around the hip on guys half his size he is also one thing that he
1: just I don't think he doesn't get credit for this because people don't realize how good he is. I think he doesn't get credit for this because there are so many other ways to praise him that you just run out of time. He's spectacular moving off the ball.
2: Oh yeah, he's great. Spectacular. It was one of the things about that that first season in Golden State. It was one of the things that was so it was so great was that he was plug and play because he was already really good at moving off the ball. So here, here
1: by the way, you want to talk about scoring at three levels. Kevin mm-hmm. Kevin Durant once said something about how he, he thinks he doesn't really like analytics. And a lot of great players make this comment. And and, and Bradley Beal has made this comment where Durant said that he doesn't really like analytics because, you know, when I take a two-point shot, I feel like that's a good shot for me. Or a long mm-hmm. two, I feel like that's a good shot for me. Well, you feel that way because it is. Because you are so generationally incredible that you break the numbers. And, and <laughs> Kevin Durant... Um, These are his last four healthy seasons shooting on long twos. I love this. You know, four years ago, 16, 17, he shot 56% on long twos. On long twos, on like 19 right. footers, that dude is shooting 56%. He's 49, he's 54, and this year he's 46 in only six games. Uh, a really disappointing 46%, which is obviously an incredible number anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, right. So, and that's the thing. And, and that was the thing about those Golden State teams. You know, they would shoot a ton of mid-range shots, mm-hmm. they led the league but in they mid-range also- shots. But they also let the league in mid-range percentage. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and and Kevin Durant can take those mid-range shots. It's a good shot for them. You know who takes a lot of mid-range shots? Bradley Beal. And the Wizards. You know what that is? Do you know why? So the mid-range shot is a star shot. That is a superstar shot. It is the difference between a guy who is a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter and a guy who is taking the hero shot at the end of games right being able to you can't do that if you can't shoot off the dribble right so how many good mid-range shooters can't shoot off the dribble zero just it's not a thing anymore catch and shoot twos barely happen in in today's game just with Thomas Bryant <laughs> well it's just not a lot of teams are running plays for that well like indiana did it a ton last year and now they're barely doing it right like that's going away the catch and shoot long two is disappearing uh, Golden State still does a lot of it for some reason. I don't know. Um if you got the personnel for it, whatever. But the catch-shoot long too, just doesn't exist. So that that mid-range shot is now it's a it's purely off the dribble. And the guys that make it are the stars in the league. And you can tell a star before they're a star because you see them taking and making that shot at somewhere between, you know, over 40% for sure. Um it, but the the real stars are 45 and up. So I
1: have a question for you. Beal fell off in that fourth quarter. His usage rate this year is higher than it was last year. He is shooting more than he did last year. He is, in a lot of ways, taking on a larger burden of the offense than he did last year. And that's when Westbrook is there. And obviously, you know, Westbrook has not looked like the Russell Westbrook we know, but he has taken some of the, or at least should be taking some of the burden because he's dribbling a lot. He's handling a lot. Uh, the he, Beal is, you know, played next to Hachimura, who's been back for a few games now. He has played next to, you know, Avdia, who they do not use really as a facilitator, except for on occasional moments when Westbrook is is resting in those second halves of back-to-backs. There are guys out there, the one thing they've got, you know, they have Troy Brown, who they don't play anymore. They have, they have guys who are facilitators, and yet the Beal usage is high. He's dribbling a lot. Um, number one, do you think he got tired in the fourth quarter? And number two, do you think he's putting too much of a burden on himself right now, considering the last few games I don't think have been the greatest defensive Bradley Beal performances? I mean, we're kind of starting to see the slip off we saw last year. Like, Do you, do you think that usage
2: needs to be 36% or whatever it is now? Um, No, but with that being said, who would you rather take those shots? I'd rather have Bradley Beal... Tired taking those shots than a Russell Westbrook. Well, for me, the issue is not
1: necessarily the shooting. I'm not knocking Bradley Beal's off. Sure, it's that that I mean, he's got a 60 percent true shooting but percentage. He can't the, take the a bad creation. Shot. It's yeah. it's the it's, it's a lot of work. It's the toll it takes. I mean, last year the the talk, and this is not for me. This is this is him that it's really tiring being a lead guy, mm-hmm. being a lead ball handler, shouldering that sort of burden, and that affected the rest of his game. It affected his defense, and well. This team is allowing a half a point per hundred possessions more than it was last year, and I don't think Beal has been quite as great over these last couple of games defensively as he as he was at the start of the year when I thought he looked better. So
2: yeah,
1: I don't know. Do do you think oh, knowing
2: all of where that— where does the offense how, come from? <sighs> See that's the that's the big that's the big question. The offense can come. He's not play- Where's the
1: offense come I, I, from? I, I, Within with the way that they play, the offense doesn't really come from. Anywhere else, but I feel like they, they have they need a lot. To,
2: maybe they need, maybe they need to lean on Denny a little bit with second there units as a playmaker, and and you sneak a little bit more rest for Bradley Beale. Where's the
1: offense come? The well, offense. When Bradley
2: Beale's on the court. When he's on the court, like he's your best option every single time. And I don't know. I, I just don't know how you how you get that usage down, and still have a a capable offense. I think you have to run your offense through Bradley Beal.
1: I think the answer can just be letting some other guy. I mean, they put together a roster with a lot of facilitators. I think the answer can be letting some other guys get in on a little bit more facilitating. Granted, Izak Bonga time. Well, if they ever play him, oh, I went on a rant on the podcast earlier this week about not playing him. <laughs> they won't play him. They keep giving up point Troy, after point after point. Bound. Troy Brown Jr. They won't play can't their play. best defender. It's just can't play. It's very. I'm odd.
2: confused, man. I'm really confused.
1: Uh, I have a question on that note. All right, diagnose this for me. The Wizards oh, no. allow fifteen percent of the shots that the Wizards are allowing this year are at the rim. That is mm-hmm. the lowest percentage in the league. They are allowing the most long twos in the league. And they are allowing the ninth fewest three pointers in the league. If you're not processing the math well, because you're like listening to this on a commute or something, and you're not getting that in, let's put it in simple terms. They give up the fewest mid, they give up the fewest shots at the rim in the league. That's good. You don't want to give up layups and dunks. They give up the most long twos in the league. That's good. You're forcing opponents to take the least efficient shot in the game. And they don't give up a lot of threes at all. And, they are awful defensively. They're they're giving up a half a point per hundred possession more than they were last year, hundred and fifteen points something or other. And uh a big part of that is the overfouling, and a big part of that is mm-hmm. that opponents are shooting seventy five percent at the rim and forty percent from three. I was gonna say. And I bet <laughs> yeah, you that number 60- I bet you that number, by the way, Dave, on on threes, I bet you that 40% comes down. Teams don't really tend to allow that over the course of a full year. And they're not giving up a ton of corner threes. How do you reconcile this? The, the, The fouling is up there. But how do you reconcile this bad results on defense with that kind of shot profile?
2: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes, and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
3: Discover the latest collections from David Yurman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful, designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men, defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
2: So I'm just looking cause the profile is fantastic and I'm looking at the percentages and man, that is bleak. Uh, this is, this is going to be great, uh, podcasting here. As I look up how many open shots they're giving up a game, because, you know, I wonder, is it, is it just not getting to the spot that they need to get to? Um, but my eye test, like just thinking of watching the game, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, it does seem like on open shots, which they don't give up a ton, uh, they, are the, they have the worst effective field goal percentage in the league, 75%. And on threes, it's 50%. So wide open threes, teams are shooting 50%. That is a bit of a statistical aberration. Um, so I would say some of this is is poor luck. Some of it. There you go. Your Wizards hope of, of the it. day. <laughs> you know what, though? And it's, I would not have looked at these numbers had you not brought that up. So I really appreciate you telling me that because, uh, you know, as I was just about to say, like my eyes tell me that the defense has been okay. The numbers say different, but my eyes tell me the defense has been okay. Except for Russ, late game. But oh my we're not goodness. Gonna, we're being Russ. positive. We're being positive. We're, We're being we we've gotta. He just can't look against the Sixers. You cannot play him in the final two or three minutes. That's what I've picked up so far. That's the only thing I've learned about the Wizards. <laughs> you can't play Russ in the final two or three minutes. He has been out of position all year.
1: It's mm-hmm. it's really detrimental to the defense. He has really struggled defensively. Just out of position all the time. It's not helping them. Their their biggest problem defensively to me, I think Thomas Bryant is actually a little bit better defensively this year, but their biggest problem is their guards don't contain the ball, which has been the biggest problem for three straight years. And Russ isn't helping.
2: Uh, No. You know, Bradley Beal, he only scored 60 because of Russ. Go on. Well, Beal was playing off the ball. Russ couldn't get him the ball. It wasn't the defense. I mean, they were top locking, and, and Beal was back cutting. Uh, Russ Russ threw a couple of really really sloppy passes, uh, and I'm, you know you live with that because Russ does spectacular things, and part of that is allowing those kinds of mistakes. But you know why why aren't you running your offense? And it was crunch time. Like this was still a game that the Wizards could have won. Why aren't you running your offense through your best player? Yep. You're right. It was team. Look, this is coaches do this, man. Like player loyalty, I I understand it completely. And Russell Westbrook is still a good player. Um, he's not the best guy for them to have out there with Bradley Beal to close basketball games. Now I know you're not going to sit him. That just isn't going to happen. But you got to find a way to, to to make him work with Bradley Beal, and really make him work around Bradley Beal. Maybe some some Beal Russ pick and rolls. With some shooters at the end of games. And, and that can get you some good offense. But what they were doing, that's not going to cut it. It's a lot of my turn, your turn. Mm-hmm. A lot
1: of it. Uh, a lot of the elements in last year's offense are just not showing as much. Which is not shocking. You had Russell Westbrook and that stuff start, tends to happen. But you're right. You can't... A lot of Beal's shots in the fourth quarter were forced. He looked a little tired to me. I, I wondered at the time if brooks was going to leave in Beal for the entire second half i asked brooks if he considered it he said kind of but mostly not really didn't really consider it and he made the point which was totally valid of he played the last minute last 9 minutes of the first half that's 33 consecutive minutes which is too exhausting on one guy who's shooting as many shots as him totally valid and for what it's worth brooks put the three point guard line out there and in Four minutes and 10 seconds, the three point guard lineup outscored the Sixers in that game 13 to three and took the lead after the Wizards were down at 1.21. So the decision from that standpoint totally worked. I always wonder, and this is more just kind of an observation of what's a very difficult decision for a coach. It's not easy for a coach to figure out, all right, this guy is really hot. How do I? Make sure he doesn't – how do I balance not wanting him to cool off while also not wanting him to get tired? Because you got to choose one, you know? Yep. And uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's not an easy decision for a coach. It's one Brooks had to make last night. And I think there was a little bit of cooling there for Brooks or for Beal. I think you're right that they didn't really – get stuff to them. The offense doesn't look as dynamic as uh, this year in terms of its motion and that kind of stuff, even though it's scoring at a they're, – they're top 10 in offense right now. They're scoring fine. They scored 136 mm-hmm. points last night. They're scoring fine. Uh, they gave up 141. Uh, so
2: – In regulation. In yeah. regulation. it's like a 127 defensive rating or something like that.
1: I don't even bet nigh at a 127 defensive rating, my friend.
2: I cover the Wizards. Mm. That's a yeah. that's a we got 115 on the season. Yeah. I mean, just. Yeah.
1: Whew. It's not good. But hey, this is why you look into the shot profiles early in the year. Because a lot of it can be luck dependent. Right. And the Sixers were hitting threes like crazy. I don't care how well or how poorly you defend a team. If a team shoots mm-hmm. 18 for 29 from three, it's because they were hot. I don't care if you, well, and, how poorly and, you defend them. Them making that right. many is because they were hot. You could defend a team and again, terribly and they won't go 18 for 29 from three.
2: I just laid it out. I mean, they, they're just getting blistered on open shots. And so, you know, I guess you could try to allow fewer of those, but they already do a pretty good job of that. They actually, you know, very few wide open, which is what the NBA deems six feet or more. Um, those are the only open shots, by the way, just – for, for reference, uh, the four to six foot, I still call that semi contested. So um, on wide open shots, they're not giving up very many, but man, they are just getting absolutely hammered. Uh, maybe they need to think about changing the shooting backdrop in their gym. Yes, that's it. Is it is it too is it too good? Like, have they done such a great job that it's too easy to shoot? There you
1: go. Um, you got anything to plug <laughs> before we wrap? No, nothing. Follow Dave, everybody He's on, knows
2: you know where I'm at. Dave
1: is on every podcast. Check out check out Dave's podcast Nerder, uh on the Athletic NBA show. Uh check him out on the 9 Daily Ding. Yeah,
2: Daily Ding. Look, we're doing really good stuff on the Daily Ding every morning. Yeah. It's a good show.
1: And and you guessed on 862 other podcasts. So mm-hmm. check him out. Thank you for coming on. I got your last second so I'm Glad you fit me in. Subscribe to The Athletic. You can go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. $4 a month over there if you want to sign up there. Uh, Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark if you enjoy the podcast. And uh, if you also enjoy it, you can go to iTunes. You can leave a review. You can give five stars. You can write a review, which, as I always say, always helps more than you think. Um, Check out some of my work over on The Athletic DC. uh, If you listen to the podcast on Tuesday, I talked to Steve Jones, who, by the way, if you didn't listen to Tuesday's podcast, Steve Jones is so good. Check out that podcast. He is such a great guest. Uh, I strong recommend on that one. I just thought he was so great on that pod. And uh, one of the things we talked about was a breakdown of Thomas Bryant's defense. And if you thought that conversation was interesting, I actually have a story from a couple of days ago where I, I put in some videos and quoted Steve and showed a little bit of a breakdown of of brian's defense and where it's at and i I used videos to compliment some of the comments that steve was making about the different coverages in which they use brian so uh that can kind of give you some greater context and and a little bit more depth into that conversation if you thought that was interesting check that out i'll be back next week with another episode i'll talk to you guys then